You are now listening to the I Refuse Podcast. It is I, Mr. Fox, and I welcome you into this episode featuring a very special guest, very iconic, pioneer, uh, real straight shooter, um, someone that's spiritually, mentally, emotionally very true to himself, is one of a rare few people that is compassionate towards the black condition is of an alternative nature and it is very it's been an esteemed honor to have him on this podcast we had a very exciting enlightening conversation about things we see in the community that we know and feel that it's more cancerous than communal. So, uh, buckle your seatbelts, get some popcorn, and pull up a seat to a very exciting, another exciting episode in the I Refuse podcast. Enjoy. Oh my gosh! <laughs> how you doing? Good, how are you? Good, good. <laughs> you sound really good. So the mic did work. Yeah, it works. It asked me to, uh, you know, if I could use it or not. So, is it the same mic you use uh, on your keyboard? Uh, no, it's one of Vino's that he uses to um, do various singing projects and stuff like that. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So, I guess we'll just jump right into it since it's recording. So, everybody, this is Mr. Fox of the Average Use Podcast, and I have a very special guest, a legend, <laughs> an icon. Um, I've been an admirer of my guests for a little over 10 years, and we've never physically met yet, but I think it's in the cards. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny that, like... <laughs> Up until about 2017, I've kind of been like on the sidelines just watching you do stuff. Because, you know, like, I was introduced to you via Vine, right? Yeah, that's what most how most people found me in the beginning. I was like, who is this guy? Like, <laughs> the strobe lights and the disco lights and the songs. You know, my favorite song of yours is, I've mentioned it a couple of times. Do you know which one? Uh, I think <laughs> I'll let you say it. <laughs> oh, right. You then you know. Um, <laughs> it was like a duet. It was you and a friend of yours. Was it me and Ricardo? Yes. Uh, was it the twerking song or the habanero vagina? No, it was uh, sucking on a dick, sucking on a dick. <laughs> yeah, it was before. It was before uh, you could get canceled for saying certain things. I know, right? The glory days. The glory yeah. days. But on um, on that on that note, I would be more um, you know, respectful of that for people in today's climate. Um, you know, I would never I probably wouldn't say the same stuff I would seven years ago that I, today. Well, here's here's the thing. Um, you know, while the landscape is changing from being, I guess, more liberal with your speech to more political correctness. Mm-hmm. There is uh, kind of like an unspoken um, category of folks, and this is more like in the neighborhood of kink and stuff, 
sure. that where people are into that kind of thing, me being one of them. Um, and, you know, as Talking I explore... Race play or something else? Race play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've realized that, like, within the last five or six years, um, it, it's all about headspace and everything. Like, there's, there's like, a... Um, there's like a fine line, which is why it's like a unspoken thing. Sure. Like I know the year before last at MAL, um, I'm really good friends with this guy that's really kinky and piggy and shit like that. And he put together a race play party oh, um, wow. not too far. Yeah, not too far from the host hotel in DC. Um, and again, it was on the low, like he had like a message forum, a chat thing, text thing with unlisted, you know, unsaved numbers. And that's how we all kept in touch and got this thing off the ground. So it's interesting that like, as we go towards this more political correctness and, oh, you can't see this or I'll be offended. There's still this undercurrent of like- Yeah, yeah. That's still, I would say know, that, um... As long as there's consent involved, it's okay. Because, Definitely. yeah, I went to San Francisco recently and I went to this like Jordanian party. I mean, there's like beautiful black men everywhere. And um, like they were very, they're kind of like preppy and like rich. And, but uh, they had this like one white sugar daddy who like collected kind of like these black figures. <laughs> and uh, really? yeah, but like they were like kind of okay with that vibe, but like, random new black men who were at the party would like cry inside a little bit when they would like see the dynamic. <laughs> like it was like a little bit like, you know, it was kind of like, like it's almost like bringing somebody like into an unconsensual race play. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of like when you go over somebody's house when you're really young and all the furniture is covered in plastic uh-huh. and you're standing in the foyer and you're just like, I don't know. <laughs> like it's kind of it's kind of like that, but I think the difference it comes with age and experience. Like I think there's a certain age threshold that people reach um, where it's just like, okay, I understand what's going on, and I'm less offended. Like uh-huh. if I was in my twenties, for example, like some of the the new I say new black gays are or new gays are. If I was in my twenties, and you know the gay community was like my first foray into like the real world. Like Mm -hmm. prior to that, just living at home with my mom or my parents, going to high school and that was my life. And then I go into this and the gay community is like huge, varied, very diverse. Um, You know, you have so much going on at one time and you, and this is like your first real world experience. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like how most people liberate themselves in the beginning um, right. And I mean, I did that for about five years and then I decided that it was enough for me, um, especially when this, you know, you know, when so much came on the line, it's like, I don't mind being respectful to people and of their differences. And, you know, I mean, I'm even at a point where I'm like, if you want to be called gender Z, I'll, I'll call you that, you know. Um, but I mean, it's just like some of the people who've bullied me and alienated me because I don't agree with them. Um, have pushed me out of the community because I don't feel like I fit in in this community anymore. 
I can definitely resonate with that. Right. Um, and unfortunately, you know, those kind of people, they have backing and support because they they have this thing about them where they could like do those kind of things on social media, but also get like praise. Yeah, absolutely. Publicly. It's and a lot of it is like, okay, um, how can I put this? Because it's not, it's not identity politics or anything like that. It's just like, sometimes they pull the wool over people's eyes and they, they piggyback on activism um to hide shitty things that they're doing to others right um and i and i see that we're heading in the direction of the the facebook post Mm -hmm. which has inspired me to bring you on um it's you know it's that that whole fake activism thing that you had pinpointed in your post and i was just like that's definitely what it's going on like Mm -hmm. What I love about you is that you're able to verbalize your emotions and you're able to communicate effectively. Like, I still kind of struggle with that because mm-hmm. the anxiety kicks in and the heart beats fast and I start talking gibberish. Oh, I get, I, get, um, I get the anxiety too. I have anxiety disorder and part of that fuels, you know, my like slightly autistic tendencies. Um, I always thought it's interesting you think I'm a good communicator because sometimes I feel like I throw people off with my communication skills. And that's why I get into a lot of brawls on social media. Cause I'm not like, maybe I'm not communicating effectively, but maybe me and you are just on the same level and have had ex- similar experiences. Yeah, I have like, um, you know, I didn't always start out as outgoing as I am now. Um, you know, I honestly believe everybody has their own journey, but I think definitely early exposure to um, an alternate or an alternate reality or a different truth and then just kind of navigating through that on my own. Um, It's essentially like I grew up in one environment where my childhood was X and then something devastating happened right in the turning point you know where you're like 11 and 12 11 or 12 uh-huh. and you're just like not in touch of with who you are yet you're still kind of figuring stuff out like you're going from a kid to a teenager i mean that's something devastating happened. that's when i started my um body modification journey um around yeah. 14 and you know i went very far with it at a young age and I wasn't quite sure who I was yet. And that was like my only way of really like navigating it. So. Right. Well, the way that I was able to navigate what the hell I was going through as I was emotionally addressing it was through like poetry and stuff. Oh, cool. So like the writing and the poetry is really what um, was a release at some point. But then like through that, I was also going through what's called my psychiatrist called it like a second childhood where I was just like in a different environment. It was more stable. There was more discipline, um, which kind of counteracts that first childhood where it wasn't much of that. So, so you're saying you were adopted or, um, no, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, I wasn't adopted. I was actually, um, taken in by family while my mom was going through, like rehab sure. and jail and prison and stuff like that. Um, 
so essentially, as my psychiatrist put it, I was um, experiencing two childhoods. And in a way, I'm two, pe- two different people. Um, but I was bringing that up to make this point that I was able to um, readily identify um, trauma, but in the same breath, accept it and process oh, it yeah. and grow from you have so and then kind of I think you have empathy for um, people who might be in hard situations that others don't empathize with. Um, and this might be another reason why we get along. So my sister around the same age was an alcohol addict in an inpatient facility. And uh, I saw two sides of her as well. And I that's I think that's when I began to like really learn empathy for different kinds of people. Um, you know, I can right. I could probably see, but I, like I you know I wouldn't kill anybody, but I could see the kill behind the killer's eyes and like figure out like what brought them to that stage where they got that angry and that upset that they acted on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and and you know in this world it's kind of that's kind of like a tightrope to walk because you know you're walking down the middle and you have people on either side that are just dedicated to that particular argument. Like you have people on one side that's like, oh, well, we should just throw them away and cancel them and put them in jail and forget about them and move on. You have people on the other side that are like, well, why is he um, supporting that person? What What's wrong with him? Like they kind of come after you and it's just like, well, I've kind of been in the hot seat several times and I know what it's sure. like. So I'm not, for me, like, I think the one thing that remains constant is that I see good in everybody and I'm very nice to a fault. Um, And as much as I try to like butch up or try to be all like, you know, you've always, you've always come off very nice and teddy bear to me through every conversation we've ever had. So. Right. Yeah. Like I think that's a large part of, me coming from a large family, me being disciplined and me being like stable, like mentally and emotionally stable and not um, turning like negatives into positives and not, um, not trying to be, make things worse than what they are. Like you get to a certain point in your life where you're just like, I've been through enough. I don't need to make worse for somebody. Else. Absolutely. And it's mm-hmm. like, um, and yeah, and it's like a lot of people think that I hold grudges cause I'm a Leo and I do, but like, I, <laughs> but you know what I, I do for me, it's like, all it takes is 10 seconds of like backing down and on anything. And like, there's so many of those posts where people are like arguing about politics and I'm like, this is going to be exhausting. So I try to agree with them and see where they're coming from to like de-escalate it. And then people just want to keep fighting and pushing you into this hole where you're the bad guy over and over and over, no matter how like much you like try to come to an agreement. So. Yeah. I just, that's social media. I got to tell you, like between those kind of conversations and then, you know, you have people that go out there and they kind of play like target practice. Like they don't, they don't specifically name a per well in my case one person did um but another person who i'm really good friends with was being targeted and he wasn't named by name but 
there is one person that kind of like points in his sure. direction. Um, he'll th- this person will make a separate post, and then their followers will comment and be like, "Oh, him mm. again." And it's like it's nothing. There's no specific example to support what the post says. So it's just like you're doing this for attention. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? And it's like the you know the, the fake activism and then the pick me's where it's just like you don't have much going on today can i so add something like, about uh fake activism so like here's the weird thing there's like a dichotomy of different types of fake activism like you have uh you know uh, on the white side you have these girls who dress up and wear makeup for a protest just to get the instagram picture um or right. white white gay men, you know, uh, putting the BLM on their profile. But, you know, then you, you know, it, 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 it's one thing to have a preference, but it's another to not have any black friends or have any deepness with, you know, black excellence in your life, you know? So there's those types. And then you have some of these, like, you know, black uh, icons in the gay community who will um, alienate people who don't fit their narrative uh, to push, you know, get them in a place of power. So there's there's like those two different kinds of fake activism. I always try to think of like, you know, the different ways it comes out through different types of people. <clears throat> yeah, so it's interesting that you brought the BLM part because I just kind of went into a little detail on an already produced episode with a friend of mine who uh-huh. is black, right? So I'm really good friends with this guy. We're like 10 years apart. But he knew um, my husband that I was married to a couple years ago. And it's interesting how we kind of like cross paths. We cross paths after the fact. I was like, holy shit, you knew such and such. But anyway, um, the last two or three years, um, we would discuss like how you know we're both like active in social circles we go to mal we like to fuck and all this other stuff um so we tend to cross paths with the same people and then we have pretty much the same facebook friends and some of Uh them are white right um so when the black lives matter movement like (laughs) went to high gear um after Freddie, not Freddie Gray, sorry, George Floyd, sorry, George Floyd's um, uh-huh. passing. Um, it was we had this discussion about this um, this gay couple here in Baltimore that we each passed cross paths with them, and we wanted to like converse, hook up, maybe or whatever, and we were each uh-huh. shot down, but. When the protests happened in D.C. Um, about six months ago, they both were like BLM up and down one day. They were on the social media, the, the stories mm-hmm. and stuff, posting that they were marching and they had their fist up in the air. And it was just like, I don't think, well, first of all, it's, it's opportunistic. You know, it's very tacky. Because at no particular point while we were Facebook friends with them did we see anybody that looked like us. And can I also ask, like, like, um, uh, did they shoot you down just sexually or just, like, also, like, on a friend level wouldn't even interact with you? 
Um, okay. I want to say both. So leading up to the time that I was like hinting that I wanted to like hook up with them one weekend, we would cross paths, I think three or four times. Um, it'd be out in public. It was, um, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Um, and it always came off like they had somewhere else. Yeah, that's bullshit. I really hate that stuff. Um, it's like, you know, like I feel this, I feel a lot of this pain myself. Um, like we call we call them muscle twats. <laughs> that's our coin phrase. Uh, it's just like me and Vino were dealing with one this week. It's like, you know, he only wants to host and he just expects you to like, you know, be on his schedule and show up whenever because he, you know, he feels like he can get whatever, whatever he wants. And we call him out on it and he gets all like offended and arrogant. And then he like starts self-sabotaging it so that like he'll have a reason to like not, you know, invite me anymore. And it's all based on my appearance because I'm like heavily tattooed. Uh, I'm kind of a weirdo in my profile. Like there's just like a lot of things that throw the, the normies off with me. And um i've you know there's been that's another part of the gay community that's like pushed me away i just like don't i should feel like i fit in i'm a porn actor but i don't <laughs> right like you should technically be at the like at the cream on top of i don't know what the food the, chain <laughs> the or whatever you call that yeah like you you should definitely be up. But I'm not. Just... <laughs> I get I get shot down for some maybe not skin color, but uh, for just being weird in the tattoos. Almost every I, I would be wouldn't be surprised if it was like almost all the same guys that shot us both down. Um, and this might be why I have a lot of close black friends because we connect on that. We like usually have the same um, issue with the same kinds of guys. Uh, the, the narrow-mindedness towards uh, appearance and different ways of life, you know what I mean? Different culture. Yeah, definitely. I um, What I know for sure is that, you know, the community itself um, equates physicality right. with value. Um, so let's say you and me, for example, um, we, we're both on like, a platform a separate platform right like mm -hmm. we're standing on something and we're presenting ourselves to a crowd of people now what's obvious about me is that i'm black uh -huh. and i'm gay right um that's the first thing you know about me not that i'm like forward not that i like have a college degree not that i own a house um not that i'm good at in bed or anything and over 90% of the time, and this is from personal experience, the the skin color is what mm. turns people off. It's either it, it turns them off or they're agitated or they're uncomfortable or they're antagonistic towards me. And, like, they're not being provoked. Like, I'm not physically provoking them and I'm not aggressive with them. I mean, I'll take rejection to the chin. I mean, I've taken it all my life. It's no big deal. Um, I mean, if it works, right. cool. If it doesn't, I'll say, I'll I'll say pass, this. You know, I'm trying to unlearn but, that behavior myself because, you know, I've had, I've been vocal about my preference, but I've noticed with the times it's been changing. Um, 
And I think part of it is collective right. consciousness as we just had this awful president um, that sparked so much racism and outrage. Like it, it caused all of us to be introspective and reflect on why we might um, have preferences. And I asked, I posted stuff like this on social media before. It's like, why do I chase white men? You know, why do I chase this image of normal that doesn't even want me? And um, somebody said that it's because your brain chooses the path of least resistance. So racism is learned. You, the minute you're born, uh, you just sort of, that's the world you come into. You come into this like white world where all the advertising is white. And what I've been noticing since the election, and they might be doing it for clout and money, but a lot of ads are incorporating people of color and interracial couples in their commercials, right? And in, in their storylines. And right. it's like, okay, we it's like we see you, but are you doing this for the right reasons? <laughs> Fake activism, but also it's good because it puts an image in our head that's more positive. Right. And I've been noticing on top of that, that they're starting to put more same-sex that couples too. into yeah. commercials. Um, I noticed maybe a year and a half or two years ago, it was the Cheerios commercials mm -hmm. with the two dads. I was just like, oh, this is great. And then there was like um, a commercial I saw on Hulu with two women. <laughs> I was just like, yes. And then it's like the, it was the chocolate, I think it was chocolate candy or a candy commercial with two white bears. I was just <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, but like, it's, it's great that that's, happening um that people have a visual representation of what's possible and it not be a threatening right and like thing. so speaking um, from experience you know, i've it, never felt threatened by black men in my life i honestly haven't i'm like just like when i try to unpack why like you know i have uh attractions to what i do i honestly think it is the way that you're like raised and you know, I come from a suburb um, and I, you know, where I was like the weirdo. <laughs> so you, you grew up around that. I don't know. Where, where are you from again? Like originally? Maryland. Okay. Maryland. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, you, you came from, you're originally from a northern. Uh, northwest. A so like I was born in, I was born in DC, but then, no. you know grew up in a suburb outside of Chicago that was pretty white. Like, uh, like I, I remember watching the Sandra Bland documentary and she actually went to my high school and they were talking about how she was like one of the only black cheerleaders there. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it kind of, kind of goes to show you, I, I, where I thought I didn't really notice it. I thought that we had like a pretty good amount, but in retrospect, it probably was a very small percentage of my school. And what's interesting is that, like, when she made the news, none of that was part of her story, which that's going to unpack another conversation mm -hmm. we can get into later um, about uh, media and race. Um, but I wanted to I just it was just an aha moment for me because I didn't even know. Yeah, and that she was from this white suburb originally. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah, so I'm from Maryland and I still 
came back. Um, and although, and this is kind of going back to the two childhood thing, like up until about uh, grade school, like fifth grade, I was raised in the suburbs, um, predominantly white, like senior citizens, young professionals with kids in school. Um, but given that the elementary school that I was a part of, it was very okay. inclusive and progressive. Like I was in class with like Africans and Jamaicans and Oriental kids and like pure white sure. bread kids, you know what I mean? So thankfully from that, I think that had a greater influence on my attitude as far as the world and why it hurts me more that I don't see more of that and why more minorities Absolutely. are being Oh I'm yeah, so, it's so cool. and yeah. even for me, like I can kind of relate it to just being part of the gay community. Like, it, not in all spaces because I said that it's gotten bad and it feels more segregated now. But there was some points where I did feel liberated and I felt, especially like you know, how can I, what's a good example? Like a, an alternative club where the drag shows on. Um, I would feel like there's right. a lot more different walks of life in there, and it felt very liberating. And then I go to the rave community, which is also very open and liberating. But what kind of upset me recently is during the Trump election, when I spoke out about on kids on cages it, at the border, a lot of people were like trying to tell me that Obama started it. I'm like, yeah, maybe he made these detention centers, but he didn't keep them there for a year like Trump did, you know, and <laughs> some of these people who are telling me who cares are like ha also have the BLM hashtag on their profile. And I don't know, it just it hurts me in a similar way like that. You know, I'm going from one community to another. And these people are not as open minded as I expected. And it, it hurts because I, I I'm used to more inclusivity than that. Um, in terms of like, you know, being politically uh, open to like being democratic towards social issues. You know, what, do you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and it's gr what's the great thing about you, um, what I'm understanding is that you've reached this point without having having had directly been, I guess, affected. Um, mm -hmm. Like people in your family um, or you personally have have not experienced the same shit that I would or cousins of mine would, you know what I mean? And you have this understanding, which is in this, uh, this attitude of um, inclusion and being supportive of Black people without yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you expecting did, something. Yeah, you just shouldn't. Return. Like right now, or it's expect, like you know I... Mean? when people of color even buy my, uh, you know, my tie dye stuff, I'm so grateful because it's like right, right now people should only be supporting like, you know, black business owners. That's, that's how I feel. <laughs> it's like, we should be building up that community, you know? So, I, so I don't expect anything in return, but when, if I get something like that, I'm like, Oh my God, my heart, it's just like so moving on so many levels, you know? Right. Like, for the longest time, you know, it's been understood. And not everybody is going to pick up on this. 
um, that we, like, considering the history we have in this country, um, Black people, people of color, um, we have managed to come up in the world, grow up, and not be full mm-hmm. of the need for revenge. Yet, we're, we're constantly put in these situations like we're the problem or we're going to do something just by sitting in our car. You know what I mean? Or just being at a red light yep. or having a tail light out. Um, so it's, it's, it's great that I have you on this, on this podcast and I'm coming to learn and understand um, that what I've always felt, like the reality that, you know, not everybody that is white or a large percentage of people that are white um, are like out to get us or they don't support us. Um, and that where they're from, um, if it's not like in a major city or an inner city, that they they learn and they understand. Yeah, there's there's a wall. There's been a wall, um, uh, especially with this election between a lot of people of color and white people. I mean, my mom my mom is a Latin immigrant, but I, I white pass right, and <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but it's like. The wall, it's even for me, it's like for a while, I was paranoid that black people were paranoid that I was out to get them. You know what I mean? And uh, like now I'm starting to like finally like learn how to break that wall down uh, by just being more authentic and saying what mm-hmm. I mean. Because it's like, if you're not real about what you say, people can sense that shit and they're not going to trust you when you say something it's better. Even if you're a little bit ignorant, like it's better to just say what you mean and get it out there and then talk about it. That's, that's my perception. Like, because if you, if you lie about how you feel, they can tell, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. um, A large part of us come with bullshit detectors. Um, We just, some of us are right. a little bit wiser in how we move. Like you have those that are like reactive who just like whenever they're faced with something, they react and then whatever happens after that happens. And you have those of us that are like, right. I'm going to pick and choose my battles, but I still have the notes nonetheless. Um, it's just a matter of picking when and where you'll respond. Um, and how you're going like, to I'll say uh, this. Um, sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it, I'm bad about that. But uh, no, okay, fine. I was going to say that. Uh, I mean, even like in the same breath, <laughs> uh, I've been learning to listen more on social media and not put my two cents in on other people's posts of color uh, where it might cause harm. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, yeah, I, I realized that after a while, I was like, yeah, I have like valid uh, points of view. But sometimes those posts are not for me. That's not even my space to like butt in. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, which is good. I mean, because context, mm-hmm. a little context goes a long way. Um, and, you know, I try to be weary of that too, where I'm like scrolling through down the, the newsfeed and I'm just like, huh, okay. So like if something, there's a post with a video attached and you, you know you see these all the time and it's like the clip is like all about 
55 seconds long. And there's definitely something like an altercation of some kind. And this is a good example because it, it divides people a lot. People are like 50-50. Um, the altercation is like a woman and a guy. They're both black. Um, it could be like a routine kind of traffic thing. Like one person cuts the other off. And it escalates like the last five or 10 seconds. And people are like, oh, you know, you know, she shouldn't have did that. You know, other people are like, well, mm-hmm. what happened before the video started, you know, recording? And it's just like, you know, those kind of situations were very common with right. like black people and police, right? And I remember when the, um, it was a lot of the traffic stop situations. Um, I know one in particular, I think his name was Walter. And I okay. think you, you've probably seen this. This was years ago. The The police officer pulled him over, allegedly, because one of his taillights was out. So instead of coming to a complete stop, the guy... Oh, yeah, and he got shot right. as he was climbing a fence and or something. The, well, oh, he never okay. baited. There was never a fence. He just... The guy, the police officer just stopped chasing after him and shot him mm-hmm. in the back, I think, three to five times. But the thing about it is, like, if the kid that was walking down the the alley hadn't recorded the whole thing, well, the rest of what happened, we would have never got the outcome that we did. But the thing about it is, like, let's say all we had was the dash cam video. I can edit that. Just, uh, <laughs> cruiser. Um Right. So it's like, I'd say that's all we have. Um, Because time and time again, and this is through my experience, when it's some surveillance footage of a black guy or a black kid having an altercation with the business owner, and it's in the news later on that, you know, this kid ended up dead because of whatever happened that wasn't recorded happened. Um, And people think the two are tied. Okay, so like the kid was in the convenience store with um, was trying to leave the convenience store and the owner thought he was trying to steal a pack of cigarettes. And later on, the kid Yeah, it's not fair. It's like, you know, people, it's like if you, somebody like Kyle Rittenhouse can literally murder somebody walk away, go home and take a nap and, you know, he doesn't lose his life. I don't think people should be losing their life over a pack of cigarettes or whatever, you know? So. Right. But here's the thing, like that whole conversation where it happens in the thread where people are like, well, he shouldn't have been resisting and what happened before. That part doesn't matter once he's dead. I'm sorry. It's like, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and then, like, that whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing, like, it took them Right, uh, it took forever, and it's the same thing with Trump. They couldn't just get rid of him right away. It had to be, like, drawn out until some fucking insurrection happens, right? So. 
and even still, it was just like, oh, why do you do two impeachments? Why do you need well, two? Like, why do you need two? Like, Jesus March. Christ. <laughs> right. For they, a only, job. they only had to impeach Clinton, what, once? And then, uh, right, uh. which gladly anybody would have given them. But anyway, that's another conversation. Um, uh, but no, but like, it's it trips me out because. You know, Kyle went down while well, Kyle was driven to the protest in another state, dropped off in the middle of the assault city yeah. with a um, a loaded gun, right, assault rifle, and killed like two or three, three or four people and was able to walk past the cops with blood on his hands. And then he's at a bar, the kid's not even of legal age to drink. Drinking and hooting and hollering and having a good time. And now it's like you have this footage of him in the interview room, and it's like they're charging you with murder and you want to cry. And it's like, yeah, it's damaging. But I mean, he, I'll say one thing as much as I hate Kyle Rittenhouse, he did put it in the light that this is happening. And I think people really are starting to get social media is a powerful thing. You know, there's been a lot of like, not memes, but, you know, comparisons between the black and the white um, experience with, you know, criminal charges. And his was just like light and day. Like that one guy got shot in the back seven times for walking away from a cop. And then he lives after shooting three people in the same week in the same town. So crazy right um i was gonna say something kind of neat um i i do a lot of lsd um and (laughs) i had i had an experience where i died in my (laughs) trip um and i kind of like started seeing fractals in the table and i was also was doing tie-dyes that night and um i kind of like became like my my flesh was rotting and decomposing and then uh, i turned into like a rock uh like the earth's like you know like element and it exploded into a volcano and as i was coming back up through the Mm. soil i saw a bunch of roots from different family trees and you know i kind of like hallucinated i saw like family trees of uh, people affected by police brutality and um it just like looked like it was like fucked you know what i mean like i was like that's not right in the in the astral realms and like this is like gonna affect people's ancestry and like for ages to come and that kind of gave me the perspective i grew back out as a flower but i was seeing like um strands of dna blue and red but there was no yellow connecting the rainbow because there's such a divide in the country um but yeah that was just like one of the the trips i had and it gave me some clarity on like why you really just can't take somebody's life over something silly like that like it's just it's it's so much more precious than that you know yeah it has such an effect on everybody that is involved um and yeah like far more than just the two people or three people it changes the entire it literally changes situation for generations to come how how your family tree was going to go that's yeah yeah and that's that's what i saw because i was when i died on that trip i was seeing myself in 12 different realms rotting at the same time in different multiverses um and then like seeing those family trees and how they all interacted 
and how important it is to not like mess. It's almost like the world, like the universe, like we pollute earth pollutes with like nuclear warfare. And that's why the aliens come down and tell us what's what they're like, you guys are echoing through the universe in a really unhealthy way. Um, me and Vino, uh, my partner, we're watching, um, this lady called Dolores Cannon and she talks about like different lives and apparently earth is the most uncomfortable and dangerous world you can live in <laughs> out of all of them. Yeah. And it's because we have all these things like race mm -hmm. and, um, and, uh, like mortality and sex and like actually like intercourse, you know what I mean? Like pleasure, uh, all these different things make it beautiful, but also more difficult to live if you, than if you were just like a spirit floating around. Um, apparently in other realms, you're not like, you know, you're just more of like a, a spirit than you are a body. Mm -hmm. So, wow. <laughs> just, this hit me with a lot of deep sound, you know, to say next. Um, Oh, and then I had a, <laughs> I have notes on my phone. That's what I'm going through right now. Um, uh, there was, uh, so mm -hmm. uh, I had made that poster on social media, like making fun of different fake activists that were bullying me um, last week or a couple weeks ago. Um, a few of them were like drag queens in the community who like recently canceled some people. Um, and I come, <laughs> yeah, so... I oh, have I a few friends yeah. of color that were like, oh, shit, like, no, that needed to be said. Like, uh, she has, like, silenced us when we weren't, like, pushing the narrative we wanted and whatnot. And, you know, I, maybe five or six years ago, I said something ignorant and I wasn't, like, really aware of white privilege yet because um, while I've been thrown into cop cars for stupid reasons and I don't have the same experience as the black experience, but I was blind to white privilege because... When I'd get in an elevator, people would look at me funny and treat me different and follow me around the store and stuff like that, you know? So uh, it took me a while to catch on to, like, what right. my privilege looked like and what it was. Um, so until I really experienced it and, like, came around to it, I was sort of ignorant about it. But as I tried to change myself and adapt to the times and, like, become a better person, some of these fake activists were, like, uh, pushing me into a hole where I couldn't, they were trying to keep me from getting better by continually like, you know, pushing me out of everything and away from everything. Um, and it just wasn't helping at all. So I'm just like to anybody who's listening to this, it's like, you don't have to tolerate ignorant behavior, but if the person is like trying to take their steps to get better, I don't think you should like push them into that hole either, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Like, I definitely agree that if a person, in order for a person, if a person feels that in order mm -hmm. for them to be tall is to make another person short, there's a problem. And I'm kind of paraphrasing Toni Morrison, which a lot of people, sh that's a person that they should get into. I'll have to check him out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's a woman and she passed, but so, no, it's fine. But, like, um, there's a great documentary on Hulu about Toni Morrison. Um, she was an authoress. I like to say authoress instead of author. Um, who started writing, I think, early 50s, early 60s, 1960s. 
And what's interesting about her is that she writes in a way where the African-American mm-hmm. experience takes the front seat and um, the experience or the um, appearance of white people takes a backseat. It's almost, they're, they're part of the story, but they're not. Absolutely, yeah, and it's like, it's the narrative we should be that. seeing more you know and I mean? more. I, I There's been a few examples, but not enough. I mean, like, Utopia, the remake, has Jessica Hyde um, as a woman of color, and, like, she's the badass of the show. And then, like, you know, Walking Dead has Michonne, but we're still not really, like, seeing, you know, I think they should be more front and center, like you're saying. And tell tell from that perspective so that people don't stereotype into, like, you know, them into a role that they're not actually like. Yeah, the the thing about it though, like there are a few shows that are like that that are out there um, that kind of I wouldn't say toy with history, but definitely tell the story the right way, like or a, a possibility of an alternate reality, like uh, Lovecraft Country, um, which I believe was it was mm-hmm. on one channel and then it was then it moved to another. Um, and then there's another, there was another show that, um, I would say like anything with, uh, Jordan Peele, like his Twilight um, Zone series has a few episodes that are just like from that perspective. Um, even when he's focusing on the white from a white character, he throws in little, uh, Um, context clues that it might not be from that perspective for, for whoever's watching. Yeah, he's yeah. I I noticed that in some of his movies, um, and which, by the way, like some of his stuff, oh, yeah. you have to kind of watch a few more times to catch everything. And then it, it's like, I think for me, it was like a month or so that I did an unpacking of um, one of his movies, and I was just like, oh wow. Um, and he does it in a way to where it's. A, it appeals to everybody. Yeah. And then there's a discussion that Absolutely. Can be had around those kind of perspectives. Um, but yeah, like Toni Morrison is, I would like to say she kind of kicked off that kind of, that way of storytelling where it's like, you know, the African-American experience um, is throughout the, the, the book. And then, you know, they kind of have the secondary and tertiary experiences that um, kind of that kind of pushes that pushes the story, um, and she she does it in a way that's intellectual, but also mm-hmm. very um, appealing to everybody. Like anybody can read it, um, which is kind of t- like, like kind of tough. Like I'm listening thing. to the ethical slot um, right now. And uh, because, you know, my dad is he's not against my polyamorous (laughs) relationship, but he's kind of weary of it. And my sister's like, well, I'm going to send him this. And I'm like, you know, she tries to write it for everybody, but there's just so much language in there that my dad might not like get right away. And I hate that. Like, sometimes you have to, like, appeal to conservative thought process to get a message across 
I wish it wasn't like that. I wish we could just exist as ourselves without having to, you know, why do we have to be normal for people? Like even just going to a job, it's like, there's so many, you know, I'm so qualified for so many jobs, but for just like my way of interacting with the world and my appearance, I can't get some of these jobs. It's like, I just want to exist. That's it. Right, it's like um, it kind of goes back to high school, where it's like everybody comes to this one place um, from their house, and there's like this constant need to conform. Or if and if you don't conform to this group or that group or this group over here, then you're the the outcast of the eyeball. Yep, and people will just shut down from you. Um, and I can totally like resonate with that because it wasn't like an easy change for me to go from like the military to like civilian life and then to go from civilian life to like an mm. office job, a federal government job at that, where it's just like it's so bureaucratic and it's so siloed and it has to be a certain way. And you know, you have people that act a certain oh, way. Oh, yeah. I did a, a fucking um, internship before, and that's the only brain. office experience I ever had. And I was like, that is enough for me. Because it was like, that. I overheard the men slut-shaming woman in the office. And I was like, so what are they going to think about me once they see my videos of me, mm -hmm. like, you know, tattooing somebody's butthole and fisting it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like one of my own productions from my my uh, B side porn art site. So, but it's just like, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I, I, <laughs> oh wow, I need to see that. What I did see is the one we Tommy reviewed, Deluca. Um, what was that porn star's name? That shit was so silly. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I, I forget what I would just so like Tell me my, my process used to just be like writing kind of like a script like that would be like kind of funny because I, I didn't I couldn't just do a porn on that website that would just be like regular sex. It had to be kind of weird. So we like interviewed him about his big dick and did like a voyeur mm -hmm. thing. And we ran around the hotel with him like free balling out in like Manhattan outside of the hotel, like past like, you know, just like average people <laughs> and see if they would know notice his dick flopping around uh that's basically all, right. all it was it was just, that was how we kind of made it a little more silly it was really good though like and i totally that's so mm -hmm. great how you were you were able to work around the i guess the politics of the site um yeah, I was like, yeah, I it was, saw that and I was just like, it was normal. Oh, was <laughs> it was just like any any other hookup for me. Like, I, I think a lot of times, like people like uh, <laughs> pedestalize people for being porn actors, but it's like after you meet so many of them, you realize they're just like you. There's no difference. Mm -hmm. Oh well, yeah, I mean, oh sure, yeah, I, yeah. I totally get that because I mean, I've gone to MAL like six or seven years by now. Um. Like, I met Boomer Banks, and then I met Hugh Hunter and Dolph mm. Dietrich, and um, yeah, <laughs> Steel, and I'm just like, most of these guys are shorter in real person, so they're 
So from that, so from that vantage point, it's like they're. It's really sweet. That is a real. I met last person, like out of all of Boomer. Boomer is pretty cool too. Rocco is pretty cool. Like I've been to their places, but like fucking Bravo is so sweet and real. I was like, holy shit. And he, it threw me off when I first saw him because I was like, this fucker is shorter than me. But he's approachable. He's, we yeah, take pictures he's a nerd and he doesn't see himself like, above you. That's like the thing is like when I, I met, met him, of- he was like, you know, I filmed with DeviantOtter.com. And mind you, like DeviantOtter liked me, but like some of the other actors, I could tell they didn't really like weren't convinced about me. And you know, I don't think Bravo Delta was into me, but he was still treating me with like respect. Like that was the main thing. Right. Um, and we just went off into a whole other thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, like I never like I do get starstruck a little bit at first. Like and that's like with anybody that I'm Facebook friends with or somebody I've kind of been an admirer of. Um but I get over that, you know, not too long after that. I never, like, I don't think as long as I've been alive, ever put <laughs> on a pedestal, like... Believe it oh, or not, some God, people are, like, truly like that with porn actors. But, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cool because, like, you know, sometimes it's like... I had a trans girl message me and say, yeah, like, I was in this relationship uh, with a partner i wasn't into and i would like get off to your porn and so i could get get through having sex with them and i was like oh that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> i get i get little messages or like some people wow. like oh you're the first person who made me realize i was okay with scat i'm like that's cool It's yeah, crazy. in some ways, so or yeah, like, or just being like somebody who's wild. alternative oh. and niche, um, and, and making it in whatever context. Right. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Uh, oh. This is kind of turning <laughs> into an interview because I'm totally like a dork right now. Um, but no, but like. Trying to get back on track with what we were talking about, because um, I could talk Aww. about you all day, because um, I'm just that much interested. Um, but we'll save that for another time. But you know, kind of going back to the point where we were um, talking about um, conservative views, and I guess the need to conform or no need to conform. Um, and so many of like the norms, the societal norms that are out there. Um, and I know for me, it's kind of been, you know, there are some norms that I kind of have to adopt to given the profession that I have. Um, and some, you know, concepts that come with that. Uh, the politics, I kind of have to, you know, you know I was going to say this, so on another acid trip, uh, my uh, boyfriend, not my partner, um, was showed me a 6ix9ine video with Nicki Minaj um, on a big screen TV, and it was oddly very inspiring. I, like, I couldn't look away because there were just so many, like, little hidden details, like... 
they kind of show like they zoom in on his face like and there's like tattoos uh like a filter and he's like yeah you want me to look like this so you can treat me the way you want to treat me or whatever like kind of like judging him based on his looks and stuff um but he's just like he's just like so unbothered like it's so like i just don't know what it's like to wake up and like somebody disses you and you have a music video ready to go in one day that like disses them back and there's like all these like details in it (laughs) and uh, (laughs) and like so he kind of inspired me because it's like it was that (laughs) night you know kind of right before uh the biden inauguration while trump was being impeached and i felt like i like vomited trump's like energy out and um like seeing that six nine video and how like how confident he was in what he's doing and how like shocking it might be for some people and you know there's so many colors in the video and he's kind of rewriting like what privilege can be he's like well fuck you like i might be a person of color but like now i'm the new white privilege so deal with that and um he's like i'm gonna make i'm gonna make this business work for me being the you know weird ass um unconventional person that i am and i'm like i was just so inspired by that because like i have people telling me that i can't wear dildos on my head and sell tie dyes and do kids parties and i'm like i'm gonna own my business the way i want to I'm, I'm tired of this narrative. I'm 30 years old and my whole life people have been telling me that I can't wear dildos on my head and sell tie dyes. And I'm like, no, I'm going to fucking wear dildos on my head and do whatever the hell I want. Like, and my sister the same night was like, she put up this video, me and her are very connected spiritually and we're like twins almost. And she was like, she was like uh, on our pole dance with like a, a pink mask on. She's a pole dancer. And she was just like giving it everything she got and for the first time I'm like ever, I just saw her like she didn't care what our parents thought or what our family thought. She was like, fuck this. What a Donald Trump is going down and white privilege is going down with him. And we're just going to be our sexual outward selves without being ashamed of it. And we're going to be professional because we're, re- we're rewriting the, the narrative like the, it, it, we're done with this. Like it, you don't have to be fucking in a suit to make it anymore, you know? So I know that was a lot, but like, that's just how I felt like with this whole inauguration, it felt like a, a waking up for artists and sex workers and musicians everywhere. Like, we're just like, we're so done with, you know, trying to be, the only way I could call it is white, like whitewash conservative, you know? There's ways you can, sorry, (laughs) sorry, go Okay, I was gonna say there's ways that you can pull it down in your own life. Like me and no, uh, Vino, my uh, fiance, we uh, moved from our last apartment to this one, and I brought some of the big dick energy with me because for the longest time I was putting up with this landlord's uh, treating me different because of the way I I live my life, and you know they're like trying to threaten to evict us because we were like late on one month rent during a pandemic. And it's like, it's out of our control and we're doing our best. And I was like, we've been here for six years paying our rent and everything. So I went down and I yelled at her and I like made her cry. And I was like, yeah. I'm d-. And after that, I was like, I'm done trying to like impress everyone with credit scores and stuff. I'm like, if they, if they, if they treat me shitty when I move to this next place, I'm going to make sure that I like record everything 
keep record of it. Sort of like, you know, how people are starting to take videos when altercations go down to make sure that they don't get fucked with the law. It's like, you know, even just the noise complaints I get for stupid stuff. It's, it's total microaggressions. Cause right. it's like, my music will be like a third of the way up and I get a noise complaint at like nine twelve PM on a Monday night or for playing my music on my piano I get a noise complaint or like, you know, just stupid stuff like over and over and over. And, and like, meanwhile, there's these kids screaming next door. So it's like, this is part of like organizing. It doesn't really sound like it, but like the more you hold people in power accountable and you document everything, you're taking down that white image. Uh, even, even if, even if it's on a small level, just in your own apartment building, yeah, everybody has to chip in and do their part and just like, you know, not be afraid of being evicted. Just keep keep doing it and keep your head up and do whatever you can and get people to support you in your different communities um, that will will help you if, you know, you're getting attacked or something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I just go off. I just go off on tangents. <laughs> That's how you do it. Go off. Yeah. I told you, go off. Because um, that's definitely what needs to happen. Um, and, you know, you get to a point in your life where you just, it's like now or never. Um, you know, we kind of have to, well, not kind of, but we have to unpack and do away with this um, this tantrum, crybaby, like, me, me, me attitude. Um, because, you know, at any point where you, you have that in your spirit, or you have that in your heart to react in that way, like all the time in life without like any kind of reflection or, you know, any kind of retrospect. Y'all good. Uh, Sorry, not retrospect, introspection, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I still have one more story whenever you finish what you got to say. <laughs> real good. Um, oh. Sure. Hey, I, I'm all about it. Like, if we have to make more parts, that's fine. Um, but yeah, but like, to piggyback off of what you, were, what you just said, it's just... You know, hopefully the next four or eight years, um, hopefully it doesn't take that long, people will start to look back at their role in scenarios and their role in life um, and in relationships to unpack and take full accountability for, mm-hmm. you know, the downfall or the... Oh, yeah. And it's like, okay, so like maybe I made that, you know, poster to get back at people who were uh, bullying and making fun of me and putting me in a hole. But it was the only way I was able to get through to them and trigger the conversation started. So we triggered these conversations and there was a lot of healing. You know, I think even just like I visualize um, the queer community, I feel like we're a bunch of tunnels. And during this election, we had to go in all these different tunnels and figure out our beef with each other. And we had to resolve that beef beef with each other so we could move on as a community and come back together. I just imagine we have this, we have this like maze of, of dark tunnels that 
all the different queer people walk through. <laughs> I see it whenever I'm tripping. And yeah, like the, it felt so good to reconcile with some of these people that I have felt grudges for for so long because I felt like, you know, we just been bullying each other. And we finally just like came to like good terms and apologize and we're able to move on from it. And I think the election triggered that. Mm. Wow. It's, 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 it's so amazing that like people are coming around to the realization that all it takes is a conversation. Like, you know, it's all that that concept has always been there. But I think what it is is that people's pride and people's um, right. Like sometimes all I, I want guess, is like, hey, sorry. They don't even have to mean it. Just like say, it, vocalize it, and then we can move on Just, from there. It's all it is. Shit, I'm skeptical. I'm like, it, if you're going to well, speak to me... Well, but like if it's somebody it's who's more of an acquaintance that's not going to be like your forever friend I gotta feel and you're just trying to like clear the clear the air so like you guys stop talking about each other and, you know, messing each other's True. image up. Because that, that's where it's just like, hey, sorry. Because it's like I had two people that were calling porn companies, porn companies I work for trying to get me out of work uh, based on my disagreements with them on social media. And it's like... They were just like gaslighting me and gaslighting me like nonstop. It was crazy. <laughs> Isn't that a bitch? I was just mm. talking to somebody last week in passing about uh, cancel culture. Like, at what point do you, do people or even people that know people that do that? Where it's just like, well, yeah, them. like, okay, so for instance, that like, uh, one of the guys yeah, that was trying to get me out of the porn or whatever, uh, after I had reconciled with everybody that I'd put on that poster, he was still putting it out on the internet. And I, I had already told everyone that I took it down for their safety. Like, I didn't want, I didn't want to damage anybody's image any further. And by him putting it back out there, just to prove a point, he was damaging their image. You know, and so he it's more important for him to oh, have yeah. that, you know, blame um, to keep the blame off himself, because this is also a white guy. And um, it's more important to keep himself like out of the blame than it is to keep a healthy image of the people that he would normally be protecting, which I think is kind of fucked up. Because I, I'd taken that, I'd taken everything down that was negative about, like that I had said, and said, "Hey, I have no beef with these people anymore. We're cool." And then he just wants to keep going and going and going. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like it's over. We're good. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And he's he, like me. He's a Leo he, too. It was so it's just about attention. Yeah. Yeah, and here's the other weird thing that drag queen that was the main on my poster Oof. was also a Leo. So we're dealing with like three Leos. Is um, what's his face? 
Because I follow. Let's not say their names, but is he the the half black guy? I follow on Twitter. Yeah, so that one stayed with me for a week when I first met him from New Orleans, and um, slept with the boyfriend I had at the time without my permission. Um, And I mean, he was he was kind of shitty to like. He has a shitty reputation, so like nobody really wanted him to stay with them because he's just fucking like negative all the time. And uh, I, I let him stay with me, but I didn't like let him sleep in my bed with me. So he got all pissy about that and like slept with my boyfriend one of the nights and then kind of like lied about it. And then so that's what started that whole drama with me and him. And when I called it out, because I was just trying to like move on from it and I never confronted him about it. Uh, he started like trying to get me out of porn and stuff. Uh, because I didn't, I, I remember what it was. I wanted to go to IML and share a room with my friends and he was going to be in the room. And I was like, please don't bring him in the room or I'm not going. And then that's when he started like trying to cause, like get me out of the porn stuff. And, um, and then when I called it out, uh, it just caused even more problems. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's just like, so him and he, he also worked at the same nightclub that wow. some of those Queens were like, coming for me worked at and all of them together so a guy i hooked up with a, a, a latin guy um a long time ago who ghosted he's like one of the pretty gays had had made that original post out of nowhere i was just like sleeping taking a nap i've been in quarantine making tie-dyes minding my own business and out of nowhere he's like posting stuff of making fun of me saying i belong in a mental institution because i was gonna i was joking that i would make tie-dyes with diarrhea and release a yeezy collection with Kaloli Kardashian's diarrhea on it. <laughs> and I was like, don't you understand that I am crazy when I want to be crazy and I understand I'm being crazy. I'm not like, I don't belong in a mental institution crazy. It's like, if I'm making fun of myself, the, there's not really a joke to be had. And uh, that's when all those uh, people that don't like me started like telling their stories about me on that post. And they thought it was a safe space to just like, you know, they made a group called I Hate Derek. Um, and that's where I was like, okay, so you guys are advocating for activism and you have a literal hate group about a gay person in the community. Does that not add up? Mm. So that's what I, I had. I had to, I had to bring that to the community's attention. Cause I'm just like, you know, they may all be afraid of not existing and not being able to get in these bars, but I left that scene. So there's nothing to take away from me. That's what you really have to do. It's like, you have to take away their power, what they can pull away from you and just be yourself and authentic. So nobody can take that away. It's like today I could go out and shake my maraca and the birds would still watch me perform. I don't need a stage, you know, it's like, just be comfortable with you. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like, I always tell people, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. stay true to yourself, hang in there as long as you can, and the rest of the world will catch up to you. And, I mean, one thing that I learned early on is that, you know, not everything requires a reaction or requires uh, the least bit of your energy. Um, you know, your energy is all that you have as far as keeping yourself together and pushing forward. If you spend your energy on other people 
and yeah, give so it's much very true. It's like people. you know, at it's certain points, like I and I, I've, you know, this is kind of hypocritical, but I practice magic sometimes, um, and have put like little curses on people when I've been angry. But I mean, it really does take. It's exhausting. It takes a lot of your energy to be angry. It really does. <clears throat> so. I sometimes I just I instead of you know being like hey I wish this person dies I'll be like hey I wish this person could see what I see so that they can work on it and reconcile that's kind of what I wish now mm -hmm. yeah I think a lot of people you know a lot of reconciliation has to take place but it's 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 on those people to do it um and it's really up to other parties involved whether or not they want to entertain it. Um, and it's, it's interesting for me or from where I sit, how, you know, people just like can kind of toy around in that way with narratives and perception and you know, you have people out there that are naive enough to be, to believe, and then you have people around them. There's so, that there's just so kind much. There's like, I mean, the the oh, combinations of ways people grew up and cultures they came from is infinite. It's like your experience. Like, I'll give you an example that has nothing to do with race. Um, at my fiance's sister's house, um, she ordered Thai Thai food for dinner and asked us what we wanted. I said I wanted curry because I am a very picky eater and some of my like OCD autism stuff makes it hard for me to have an appetite if it's not something I like. And I, so I save my appetite all day for the dinner and I get there and then she like wants me to share my curry with everybody. And I like kind of like shut down because it's like, this is all I can eat. And it's like, but for them, they come from like a very like Italian household where it's all like we share everything. Um, we all chip in and I'm sort of like, and the like, well, I need this like plate to myself because it's like one of my boundaries. You know what I mean? And we had we had a little bit of a disconnect there and kind of got in a fight. So it's like there's just so many infinite ways right. that can cause discourse between people. And it's not just like black and white. It's like there's a lot of gray in between. And sometimes like the, the issue is miscommunication. But, you know, like, when you were telling me about that situation, um, I couldn't help but think, mm -hmm. like, even when things get to uh, a heated level, like, is there not anybody in the room that's just like, okay, everybody. Cause, I actually left. Know, I just sure left because I didn't want to say anything damaging. I know how I can get, and I love them too much to do that. And, right. But it came off as like <laughs> selfish and me being a jerk because I was like, well, it, it okay. came off as hot. You should feed me this way when I'm here. That's how it came off. Uh, but the way I perceived it is I like literally have a food phobia and like uh... came out here and, <laughs> and like, you know, I would uh, I would have gladly just bought Wendy's if I had to, you know. So. It's just, it's just different different cultural stuff that sometimes doesn't right. like connect 
um <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah this, and i mean aside from race i would say that another thing or another uh social i don't even know the word i want to use another uh mm -hmm. social bubble i'll, I'll say that people are protective of our culture. <laughs> um, and I know that for me, <laughs> yeah, Jason like, says, hi, Vino. Hi, Jason. I know he says, hi, Jason. Hi, Vino. <laughs> talking with him here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I can say that like culture and cultural things and traditions people are very like protective of um and it could be something as small as oh well mm -hmm. you know we have this every one thing like, this is the thing i noticed guys. too is like black americans from uh african um, immigrants there's even like a disconnect between the two there it's like uh in in african culture they hold their elders like very respectful and you know like you have to respect all your elders but here it's like you know, they just basically fucking throw elders out in the street. You know what I mean? So that is something I learned from like a few of my passengers when I did Uber, because I would always like listen to what they had to say about um, cultural differences and how they perceive uh, moving to America from another country. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like I didn't really realize that, but like, yeah, no, they, it's they, like um... they. They're like almost more racist than white people, <laughs> like the, the Africans from the immigrant ones that are like, they hate black people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, right. I, so it wasn't like a racist thing, but I was, I went to, I went to go pick up this um, African woman and her daughter from her daughter's school. I think it was through Lyft or Uber, and we make it. Um, we make it back to her apartment, and the way I pulled in, like I pulled in, like over mm -hmm. several uh, parking spots, and her daughter was on the driver's side of the car, near the sidewalk, and you know the mother got on the got out on the passenger side in the back seat. And I'd suggested her daughter get off on my side, like was close this to the curb or something. And she pitched the. What was the? I forget where you pitched. you said you were dropping them off for. Was it Uber uh, or something I, else? It, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I was like their Uber driver, and we were in front of their apartment building, and they were getting out. Um. So yeah. I guess the mother wanted the daughter to get out on on that her side yeah. of the, the truck where she was getting out of, which was like pretty much in the middle of the damn street. And I had suggested her daughter get out on my side, which was closer to the sidewalk. But right, like yeah. why would you not want but she threw like the biggest fit and I was just like, Oh my god, just I just need to get out of here. But it's like that kind of interaction where they kind of like have no level <laughs> like anger level or emotional level it's not over, though like, yeah like, like, like I, the most, I, mine like, was like you know i would get them like all talking like, on their phone at the same time 
uh, like, but different strangers who didn't know each other. And they didn't realize that it was like hard for me to focus on the road. And then finally, like they realized it and they, they were like, Oh, and I was like, yeah, it, it, it is bothersome, but like, I, I guess it's not bothersome in that culture. <laughs> Right. It's just like, you know, we can, it, it might be survival mode to like, you know, speak yeah, up over other one another in some cases. So. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, not for nothing. Like I think Africa as a whole, like mm. it's always fast paced. There's always a lot going on on top of each other. I mean, cause you think about it, there is like, there are right, some countries yeah. over in Africa that are like current and modern and they have roads and shit. Where you have other countries over there where it's just... Which like, know, I get like my, my journey with body modification like connected me to that and I loved it. But <laughs> there's still some uh, parts where I'm like, well, I don't really get that. <laughs> hmm. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. Like, it's it's crazy. It's like I'm close to forty. Believe it or not, I'm. Yeah, I think me and Vino are around the same age. Oh yeah. Um, like, I mean, you really so want to think about it. It's like out there that I'm not even the Milky Way aware. galaxy is only like one um, of a million galaxies in the universe. That and Earth is only. One of the very few specked planets that have life on it, <laughs> and it's just like what? Well, what other? <laughs> wow! And I, I was gonna I, say, it's just like what other? What other? Like, like you know, War of the Worlds are they dealing with out there? You, keep, you go ahead, go 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 go. Yeah. Oh. It's like the minute that oh, you know our imagine. world is under attack, we're all going to be one race again. Yep, and that's that's why I like The Walking Dead because in the height of an extinction, the that? the colors don't matter anymore. It's like back to like we're all just people here and we're surviving. And that's that's how the election sort of made me feel. I felt like at some points we were all just people and we we're surviving. And there didn't need to be like this, this disconnection anymore. I felt like it was really important that we find our common ground if we can. It's like, it's cool. We can talk about all the, you know, the in-between, but we really just got to give each other a break sometimes and let people come to that healing on their own terms so they can actually do it. Um, like, like there was a girl in my tie-dye forum that was saying slurs and I got her kicked off the group, but then she messaged me aside and we ended up talking and she actually ended up saying sorry. So, cause I was like, look, I used to say stuff like that too, you know? And then we, we kind of found our common ground and she was able to see that, like that was out of, out of character. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's mm -hmm. interesting. Like it takes, an outside person to bring another person back to because I mean for all I know like 
the other person. A lot of times that is the really case be because when I would say stupid shit like, back know? in the day, I was going I, I mean, through something, and a lot of it was a reaction to like oh. me feeling like I was being alienated, where I would like you know, uh, do shock value posts that, you know, may have just been offensive and harmful to others, but it was just because I felt like I was being alienated and lashed out on, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I totally relate because I, I had to kind of unpack that early on and, you know, now I'm more in, like, that space in life where it's just, like, I'm more yeah. chill, more like that. I'm sort of, I'm sort of chill um, until that Waffle House incident happened. <laughs> feel shit out. Oh. Yeah, so that's that's what I wanted to get to is, like, so that, that lens was, like, yes, the moment for please? me. And that was also kind of right before <laughs> the inauguration and all that. And that was, like, the cherry on the Sunday for me. That really helped me, like... That was just like, this is the way it is, and this is what needs to change. And it was like, I walked into in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, in a Waffle House. I walk in, and I'm just paying my bill. I have my mask on. It's a pink mask, but I don't look extra gay or anything. I'm in street clothes. And fucking Redneck and Karen wife are just like gagging on me and like, you know, like nudging each other and laughing. And I just like gave them the white of my eyes and looked at them as close as I could and I paid my bill and I tipped the waitress out and then I just like, you know what? Trump lost, bye! And then <laughs> in the middle, the middle of redneck town and then he follows, I knew he was going to follow me out to my car so I just pulled out my pink mace and then he's like pulls out his gun and oh. it gets all thrashy but like that ha the way that happened like I was like, wow, I'm not black and I don't look extra gay and this still happened. Uh, and that's where I was like, this shit needs to change because these people do not get, they shouldn't be dictating our happiness and how we, you know, it shouldn't have to be an act of courage to love somebody in public. It shouldn't have to be an act of courage to be black in public. It should just be, you should be able to, to go out and just like live, you know, unbothered. It, 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 that's where I really connected. I was like, this is just like, I, I felt like the pain. I was like, okay, so this is for some people, how they go through life every day, anywhere they go. It, it, they always feel like this, that these people are about to like, you know, put them in danger. I just said, yeah. Right. Just by us simply asking a question, like you, I'm mm -hmm. sure you've probably seen, you've probably seen a lot lately, like a routine traffic stop, right? Now, okay. what's different is that the police officers are addressing the passengers more. And they're accosting the passengers more. Um, and it's, it's around like them asking for the driver's license or an ID, which is kind of weird because they're not the ones driving. Um, but it's like just from yes, absolutely. I've seen and I've like seen all that kind of footage, and it's just like, why shouldn't you be able to ask why you're being stopped? Like, what? Why is that such a big deal? Like, you have the right to know. It's stupid. 
Right. And it, it like it's it's physical. They they're trying to yank him out, and they put him under arrest. They're just putting and him under like arrest for being sassy, and that's not of, an excuse. It's like you, know, you should have more for resisting uh, patience. Yeah, restraint, patience, and training. If you're going to hold a gun, restraint. No. Right. Which clearly they don't have, um, but yeah, like something like that. Yeah, you know, when mm-hmm. I was when you were telling me earlier about your Waffle House incident, because this happened what two weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. When you first told me two weeks ago, I was just like, "This is crazy." Um, even given the even given the reality that Tennessee is. Well, this is. was this was in Kentucky um, before I entered uh, Tennessee. Yeah, but like, like it was like in one of the towns that were very on the border. Um, it oh Kentucky, sorry. Right, so it's like even though we've come as far as we have, good, bad, or otherwise, like there's still that valley or that part of the country that's just knee deep in violence and aggression and you know uh, hatred and anarchist like attitudes and lifestyles just because of appearance just based off right and it was that was that was traumatic because like i was i love waffle house and i go to every single waffle house when i drive on a long vacation or a long road trip so then the next few times i went to one i was just like triggered and scared that something was going to happen i mean i kept my cool and like because i'm i i I get in intense situations sometimes uh, uh, I knew he wasn't going to shoot me or anything, but I'm glad I didn't spray my mace because I checked it later and it was like kind of faulty. <laughs> oh, uh, at least I got one more middle finger up as I was oh. driving away. So, <laughs> so it w- it wouldn't have been any good anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but then I drove. Away- <laughs> but then I drove away really carefully. I like kind of like right, drove a like, few blocks yeah. down, like and like, took side streets away, so like do. they couldn't follow me if they happened to like follow me or get my plates or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what I thought. Yeah. I was like, that's that's what I would I would have done. Like, just. Because there's always like that window after an incident. Yeah, I definitely was because I had to get just, gas in that town. Like, I couldn't oh get God, back on the know. highway yet. Was that them? Is it? I would have been. <laughs> but so, I I, <laughs> I chose a BP that was very well lit, and I just like kept my my guard up and filled up quick and left. <laughs> mm. Yep. Wow. It's just sad. And that that happened in twenty twenty one, y'all. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, uh, we had. Well, I think sorry. we had a two hour I conversation. Um, keep you on any yeah. longer. It's getting. It's good. 
first time meeting or well talking to you on the phone. We did it's beautiful. And I'm so happy yeah. we did. Um <laughs> all hearing your voice, so to speak. It is. Um it's definitely <laughs> add like another layer to whatever you want to call this. Um which is great, but um I wanted to say that this has been a very eye-opening conversation about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, not only like the world as a whole, but like the two of us as individuals. Because um, I think this is the longest we've oh, yeah, spoken. Definitely. Like messenger, text, phone call, whatever, um, in one steady stream. Um, and I want to say that. Oh, I likewise. Learned, I, lo- I learned a lot as well about you. So, many it's been awesome. About you much more. Um, that probably didn't come out right. I'm just. Yeah, and I think it's very important that, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. just see each other as they are and just go from there. Um, and then, of course, you know, once time goes as long as time goes on and people learn a lot about each other and just talk more I think they start to realize you know they too are flawed and they too have these things ingrained in them from you know when they were children I think people beyond saving are like the you know 80 year olds they're kind of just just like die already (laughs) I'm telling you, right? It's like it's like yeah. one part of your shoe touches their lawn, and they're like yeah. already got their their finger Crazy. over the last one for nine one one. I'm like, come on, like you gotta chill the fuck out, cause cause cops don't even yeah. like exercise the full range of the threat level. It's like they show up and start shooting. Um, anyway, see, I just went and deviated. Never mind, I'll tell you. Um, so, I want to thank uh-huh. Mr. Phoenix for joining thanks, me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, for uh, hopefully one of many visits. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, having you um, on the podcast to start. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll be sure to have him on other Probably. future have episodes. Um, so this is Mr. Fox with Night Mr. Dean. Phoenix. Night Thank Night you Dean. for joining me <laughs> on the podcast. So. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Night.